this flyover clip. You, you just need to know you can leave, but what they say to you is this. They will actually say this and they've said this to people I know and love and are in my family. They've actually said this. Your heart is like a ticking time bomb. You cannot leave. It could go off at any time. And I'm like, you do know hearts don't explode, right? This is <laughs> in my head. I know they don't explode. Hearts never go like this. Boom. That's not a heart attack. <laughs> it's it's the heart just goes like this. Dun, 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 and then it stops beating. That's it. If you have a heart attack, and then it will start back up most of the time, right? That's usually what happens. Well, if you're still alive and feeling well, just go home and then go read a book on how to keep the heart healthy and maybe stop drinking so much alcohol or sugar or eating sugar or whatever and make improvements to your heart that way. Uh, you do not have to stay there. The heart does not explode, but that is what they will tell you. You're like uh -huh. a ticking time bomb and your heart could explode at any moment. They'll actually say dumb stuff like that. And that, that is not true. The heart's never done that ever. Not once in your entire existence of humanity. It's never happened, but I will this tell is, you this. That's great information. And, and, and cause then is it, is it, is it, they just repeating what's been told because I've heard people tell me they were told that by a doctor in that situation. So is it just kind of just monkey see monkey do? And that's just kind of what was said in motion or is it, is it, is it money motivated? They're like, wait, we got you in the door. We need to get some things done here, you know, to, to justify all these machines we just bought. So we need to do some exams. I'm going to write up three tests. How, how much of it falls into what camp, you know, yeah, that's a great point because mm -hmm. a lot of times people will hear me talk and, and I do not talk in light uh, or in favor of the medical profession very often. I just don't. And the truth is, it's typically all medical doctors, and I, I actually love many of them and find many of them very honorable and ethical, but they're all products of their training and education. Mm -hmm. So they're going to they're going to believe what they believe their professors and their authority figures in their med schools taught them or in residency, what they were learning. So they're being told something, then they're simply repeating it back to you. And that's most of us. This is what's different about me, David and Stacy. I love researching on my own. So you can tell me anything you want. I'm going to first think if it's a medical doctor, I'm going to think they're lying to me, mm -hmm. not because they're lying to me. I think they're repeating a lie to me. So yeah, I go sense. home and do my own research and then I actually see and then pray about it and find out, do I feel the same way? Does it make sense to me? Okay. So let me just continue. I love telling stories. I think it helps educate people yeah. on stuff. So my son's born. I go out and have my conversation with the fired OBGYN. Remember, I had no doctor in the room. Mm -hmm. Since then, I had three more kids after that, and we did water births. We did midwives and birthing centers, but we never did any at home. We just did them at places that we could not have to worry about the hospital, and it worked out great. So all of them worked out great. I actually birthed like myself, actually brought out three out of the five all on my own, right? Just wow. in the what a, what a huge discount, too. That's great. <laughs> so, after, so after my second kid is born, uh, Braden, Right after he's cleaned up by the nurses, this little African-American nurse, real cute, comes walking into the room and goes, after all the making sure Braden's okay and the staff's all okay and everybody's okay and nobody's in trouble, they thought they were going to be in trouble. This little black nurse comes walking in and goes, Mr. Aris, I need you to sign these documents. And I said, what is that? That's all I said. What is it? Yeah. I, I'm not going to sign if you don't tell me what it is. Right. What is it? And she goes, Oh, this is the form to allow us to vaccinate your child. Oh, <laughs> and, and now remember, I am a 
graduate student, still not in practice yet or a doctor or have a license yet. And I looked at her and I went <laughs> like this. Uh, no, I need the form that says you're not allowed to do that. And she goes, there's no form like that. that. And I went just like, yes, there is. There's an exemption form probably in that stack of papers on their metal clipboard. You know, those box clipboard yep. forms. There was a stack of forms about this tall. And the top one was the one she wanted me to sign. And I was like, no, I'm not signing that one. Uh, give me the exemption form that says you're not allowed to vaccinate my kid. And she goes, all of them? Like all the vaccines? And I said, yeah, all of them. You're not doing that. <laughs> and she goes, uh, I don't even know if there is an exemption form. I said, well, then go ask your supervisor where it is. So she starts to walk out of the room. And I'm just kind of watching her walk. And she's flipping through all the forms on her clipboard. And she sees at the end of the stack, there is an exemption form. So she turns around and comes back and goes, oh, my God, it's the second to the last form. You're right. There's an exemption form for vaccines. Now, this is the lady walking <laughs> around with the forms and has no idea it's even on her board or clipboard. And I went just like this. Great. I took it and I signed it. And uh, I handed it back to her and I was like, thank you. And she goes, I can't believe you're not going to vaccinate your kids. And I was like, nope, I'm not letting you do that. I said, it's okay. It's just my decision. She turns around and starts walking towards the door, turns around and comes back and goes, Mr. Artis, uh, I'm sorry. There was actually another form behind the one you just signed that's specific for just one vaccine as an exemption. And I said, oh yeah, what is it? She goes, it's the hepatitis B vaccine exemption. And I said, that's not included on the first one. And she goes, no. And I said, well, you're for sure not doing that one. Now she had to get these signed because I wouldn't sign the first one. Right. So she sees this one and she goes, she, she's showing it to me. And I said, the hepatitis B vaccine. Nope. You're definitely not giving my kid that one. Just so y'all know audiences around the world. Anybody watching this in America, in a hospital, they will tell you that your child that's just been born has to be injected with just this one vaccine within the first 24 hours of life. It's the hepatitis B vaccine. So this is what happened. <laughs> so she's, it's, this is the one. And I'm like, oh, heck no, you're not doing that one. That for sure you're not doing. And when I went to sign it, she pulled it away from me. And she goes, I don't know if I can let you sign this. And I said, well, it's not your kid. It's mine. And she Man. goes, and she goes, Mr. Artis, this is exactly what she said. I have to tell a story because it's, this yeah. resonate with me. She goes, but Mr. Artis. Don't you know the hepatitis B virus can live on a doorknob for up to 24 hours? And this is not a joke. That's what she said. And I looked at her and I went like this. How long have you worked here? I mean, as fast as she said it, I went like this. How long have you worked here? And she goes, seven years. And I said, in this neonatal unit where people are giving birth? Yes. I said, uh, great. I need you to close your eyes for me. And I want you to review every day you've worked here for the last seven years. And I said, now think about it. And she goes, I don't want to close my eyes. I said, okay, well, you can leave your eyes open. Now I need you to reflect on the last seven years. How many newborns in this hospital have you watched open a door in this hospital? <laughs> <laughs> and she did just like you, Stacey. She busted up laughing. And I went like this. That's pretty dumb, right? Why did you just say that to me? And she goes, it's really weird when people are like indoctrinated and they can't make sense out of irrational stuff they've been taught. They just yeah. accept stuff. She's just repeating stuff. And I said, why would you say that to me? And she goes, I don't know. And I said, I do. I said, and I know you do too. You just don't want to tell me. I said, so you haven't ever seen a newborn reach up and open a door in a hospital that you just said a hepatitis B virus can live on for 24 hours. And she goes, no, I have never seen it. And I said, okay, good. 
So I have another question for you. If they don't get it from the doorknob, where do human beings get the hepatitis B virus from? And this is exactly what she said. From having sexual intercourse with multiple partners and intravenous drug needle sharing. And I said, right. So I want you to do me another favor, except this time you have to close your eyes. (laughs) I said, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to visualize the last seven years of you working here. How many times have you walked by that big window, looks into the nursery where all the babies are? (laughs) How many times have you walked by that window and saw babies, newborns having sex with each other in the nursery or injecting each other and sharing needles with each other? How many times have you seen that? And she goes like this, I've never seen that. And I said, really? No. I said, but that's the main way you get this virus. And she goes, It is. I said, you even told me that unsolicited, that that was how they get it. And she goes, yes. And I said, okay, next question. How long does the hepatitis B virus vaccine provide immunity to a person? And she goes, I don't know. And I said, I do. It's 12 years. I said, so if you inject my kid to that with this today at day one of birth, It's going to provide immunity maximum-wise for the first 12 years of life. And then I said this, close your eyes for me. (laughs) And I said, now I want you to review your – this is not a joke. I said, I want you to review your entire life. Close your eyes, and I want you to tell me one 12-year-old or younger person that you know, either in your family or as a friend or someone at school, who you knew was having sex before 12 – and sharing intravenous illegal illicit drug needle sharing. And she actually had her eyes closed for this one. She sat there and she's like, start shaking her head. No. And she goes, I I can't even think of one. And I said, are you sure? Because you might. I said, I can't think of one, but I'm sure there's some kids out there. Maybe have. I said, but this is ridiculous. I said, I can't think of one. You can't think of one. Yep. Then what's the benefit of giving this to my kid at day one when he's, when he's born? And she goes, I don't know. And I said, let me, let me offer you something. Don't you think it would be better if we injected kids at age 12? Because then it would provide immunity till they're 24. And that would cover middle school, high school, and college years when they might be promiscuous. Mm. And she goes, yes. And I said, uh, so can I ask you a question? Why did you tell me that the hepatitis B virus lives on a doorknob for up to 24 hours? And she goes, I don't know. And I said, I'm going to tell you why you said that. When you went through your training seven years ago, your supervisor told you if a parent ever says, I'm not vaccinating my kid with this hepatitis B virus vaccine, you scare them and say, but that virus can live on a doorknob Mm -hmm. for up to 24 hours. I said, "Uh, now you need to go. Talk to your supervisor, the one who trained you right now. I want you to leave this room and go tell them that their training of you was pathetic. And you look (laughs) super, I said, you look super ignorant and uneducated when you're talking to someone who is educated. And this is the principle here, David and Stacy. If you're not going to do your own research, you are then going to have blind faith in any other human. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the goal. You know the you know the thing. We will shut you down. We will cite you, and if we need to, we will arrest you, and we will take you to jail. 
period. I wasn't thinking of the Bill of Rights when we did this. But no amendment, no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. God actually spoke to me. He spoke about sacredness. He said to me, Kim, what I place in many, many people is sacred. And if anybody touches what is sacred to me, then it is the end for them. So what I've done in the United States of America is sacred. And there are people on every side that are trying to destroy what I deem sacred. And it's not going to happen. This is the definition of criminal conspiracy, racketeering, and collusion. This is not a theory. This is evidence. Because I have upheld this country to spread a light to the rest of the world. When you choose to go against the sacred thing that God put into the very heart and the soil of this nation, this was sacred to God. This reawakened tour is literally what it means. It has reawakened the American heart. For more great content, go to flyoverconservatives.com.